Well, good morning, Wendover Hills. How are you? Hmm. I have to fire my coffee guy. Well, I'm Tom. I'm one of the I'm the pastor here at uh, at Wendover Hills. If you're new with us, we're especially glad to have you this morning. And uh, for whatever reason. If you're new with us, you strolled in here, maybe you just were driving down the road and you go and you said, ah, that's a pretty cool sign. Or uh, maybe, you, uh, maybe you were pestered by somebody, friend or family, for weeks and months and you finally caved. Uh, but whatever the reason, we're just glad you're here and we hope you enjoy the family this morning and enjoy the time of worship, uh, whether it's new to you or, or something you're used to, we're glad you're here this morning. Uh, you will see uh, there are some cards right in the back of each chair. They look something like this, front and back. Uh, if there's something going on in your life and you want to communicate with us or share with us, if you're brand new, if you just give us some info, uh, this is usually some just for me to use and uh, let you know we're glad you're here and, uh, and to be able to communicate with you. But if anything's going on in your life, maybe there's a change in, in your life, maybe as simple as an address, let us know. On the back, if the Lord is doing something and uh, there's a few boxes you could check or a place that you can write in and let us know uh, how to pray for you and, and whatnot. So use that card. If, uh, also, you'll notice we have our, our bulletin this morning, so if you want to read through those and plug in uh, where it's appropriate for you, that would, be, that would be great. All right? Well, I remember uh, 1995. I loaded up my uh, sort of red 1983. Uh, it was Datsun at that time, Sentra, and I loaded it, packed it to the hilt, and I began this road trip across the country from the desert of Southern California where I grew up to kind of the backwoods, or what I thought, the backwoods of Kentucky. Uh, I didn't really describe this as starting over because I had, I had been at college, and the Lord had really developed and designed me and really challenged me and shaped me in the four years, but I certainly saw this as kind of a brand new journey, a brand new adventure. And I knew that as I was, I was venturing out into this, uh, there were some uncertainties that went with it, but I was positive that God had shaped me for it, he was leading me into it, and that God was going to bless at the same time. That's how I want you to picture Windover Hills this morning. Grab that picture. We're a little sort of red Datsun loaded to the hilt with everything we own, and we're embarking on a new adventure. And uh, it's not just that the little card's loaded with stuff, but it's loaded with who we are and who God has designed us to be. It's years of growing and learning who we are in Christ. It's the day we said yes and let Jesus come in and be our Savior. It's those lessons we've learned, both good and bad. And in this day, I want you to picture us launching out into being a part of something that we're confident that God has shaped us for. And he's leading us into and he will bless. So that's our journey this morning. Over the next six weeks, we're going to be talking about one phrase, how to grow. That's our focus. In talking about, as individuals, how do we grow in our Christianity and keep walking forward in this walk with God, but also how do we grow as a church as well. And we're going to be looking at five key components that really every Christian needs to have in their life to be growing and that every church needs to have in their life to be growing as well. Now, don't think of these five key components as kind of like the magical formula that if you just throw them in and stir it up, everything just happens. You know, there's challenge within it. But we're going to look at those five key things and, and kind of evaluate, how am I doing in my own Christian walk, and how as a church are we doing as well? 
It's what the soil, water, and light is to a plant, or the wood, the hammer, and nail is to a, the building of a home, or the product or salesman and spreadsheet is to the business. These five things are things we'll have to look at and kind of challenge ourselves in. But first, I thought we needed to spend a week really asking one question, and that's what this week is about. And the question is this, why do we need to keep growing? Now, if we were to have a conversation and we were to talk about Christian growth, uh, it would probably be pretty easy to come to the results or the conclusion that every Christian needs to be growing in their Christian walk. But what about as a church as well? What about as a body of believers that come together and, and worship God and serve God? Why do we need to grow as a body as well? I would say equally, as an individual Christian, that as a church, we are really challenged and necessary that we grow as a body. And that's what we're talking about this week. We're going to look at four reasons this week. Now, three of these reasons are designed for you as an individual Christian and also for us as a body. And then the final one kind of focuses a little bit more on us as a body. All right? Make sense? All right? Okay. You ready to go then? Four, four reasons? Doesn't really matter. I'm going there anyway. All right. Number one, growing propels us to be all in. Growing propels us to be all in. Okay. So can we read this, uh, this passage all loud in one full voice this morning? All right. Let's read it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, as I read this passage, one thing that I want to know comes to mind, as I know maybe many of you when you've read passages such as this, and that's this, whether or not God can do in the 21st century what he's already done in the first century. Have you ever wondered that? Is God still in this same business of knitting people together and growing them? Would God be able to create a community of people who would follow him fully, who would put him first in everything? Would God create a community of people who would love each other radically, who would reach out to their friends relentlessly, who would pray bold prayers, believing that a supernatural God is still in the business of doing supernatural things? Would they unite around servanthood and not, in, and not look for just personal gain or money or something like this? Would they worship God with a full heart? Could that happen in the 21st century like it happened in the 1st century? As Shri and I contemplated coming to Wendover Hills, it became clear to us that we would be coming and we would be joining a group of people that had been asking these questions already that had been excited for God to do this very kind of work. And when it was pressed on us that this great core of people, they wanted to be a part of something that looked exactly like Acts chapter 2. It says in Acts chapter 2 that people were together. Do you notice that? Over and over. Now, it doesn't mean that they had their acts together. Um, you don't, and I don't as well. 
In fact, I don't make it to lunch before it's impressed on me that I don't have my act together. But it means that to the core of their being, that they were in agreement with each other about the foundational values in their lives. They were all in for God. It means that the people of this early church, they had repented of their sins. They had really been wrecked by God's grace. They had been filled up with God's Holy Spirit, and they had been launched forward into this different type of community than probably any of them had experienced up to this point. And as all of this group happened as individuals, we can see they came together, and it, and it just took off and went crazy as community. The passage tells us that they shared meals together in each other's homes and they told stories of each other's lives, stories of their journey to faith and stories of how God had worked in their lives. In fact, we find out in the scriptures they actually started calling each other brother and sister, like family. Not because it was a, uh, a custom or the rule of the church at that time, but because of the life that they were experiencing together. In fact, we read in church history that during the time of persecution, that many of these believers together went and died for the cause of Christ, many times in each other's arms. And we also read in church history that there's times when they went and they were singing these great songs of faith right at the point where they were being fed to lions or, or burned to death or hacked up by swords. It was this type of connection that they had all around who God was. They were all in, all in for God, all in for one another, and they were all in for the purposes of God in this world. Listen to this. Whenever this happens in church, it doesn't matter where it is, what time in history, what continent, what custom, what culture. Anytime this happens, no matter where it is in church history, the church becomes an unstoppable force for Christ in the world. And the church becomes the kind of church that the scriptures describe and says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It doesn't just happen. It's when people are all in, all in for God, all in for each other, and all in for God's purposes. Now here's the good news at Wendover Hills. It's that I'm feeling as I think you are feeling. This increased intensity to become just like that, that type of church to have the burden to see God work in and through us and in our community and the lives of our friends, family, in exactly this type of way. Am I wrong or do you feel this too? All in for God, all in for each other, all in for God's purposes. I can guarantee you, when we are all in for God, each other, his work in this world, this will result in the favor of God. It will result in his blessing, the pouring out of his Holy Spirit on this congregation or any congregation that chooses to live itself this way. Now this type of all inness it can only happen in the context of a place that's growing. It's not that God just chooses to all of a sudden take a group that's not committed to growth or isn't interested in growth and just says, boom, and it's happening. God desires for his people to come before him and seek him. Remember, we don't have to have it all together. You don't even have to have a clear understanding of every theological principle. You might be sitting here today desiring to grow and move forward in your walk and yet still have a hard time wrestling with the idea of the Trinity. That's okay. God says just keep growing. Keep moving forward. 
keep receiving of him. You ever been around somebody who's all in for God? I mean, it's contagious. It's infectious. It really makes you want to know what, what has gotten into that person, and I would like a little bit of it. That's what happens when we're all in. When we're growing as Christians, God wants to challenge us in many ways, and the truth is, it's just easier to rise up to those challenges when we're growing in him. For a church, the same is exactly true. Growing in spending, growth in spending time with God or growth in learning more about him, growth in inviting people along to be a part of this, it all are challenges that are easier to rise up to when we are all in. And all in, that's what that early church of believers is experiencing. So can God do today what he did in that century? I'm passionate that he can. And that's what we want to seek as individuals and as a congregation. All right, do we get that? Let's take a look at the second reason why we must keep growing. It's this. If we don't grow, we'll decline. If we don't grow, we decline. Whether we're talking individually or as a group, if we don't grow, we decline. Now, in the economic world, there's this thing called law of diminishing returns. Have you ever heard this phrase, law of diminishing returns? Yeah, simply it's this. It means that there's a tendency for continuing effort to decline after a certain level has been achieved. Now, I'm not super smart enough to know how this all breaks down when you're looking at economic spreadsheets and trends and that type of stuff. Uh, I can tell you this, though. We apply it to many different areas of our life, kind of like the dating world. Have you ever applied this to uh, dating or to the physical side of dating? Have you ever heard this? Uh, Simply means this. If if you've got a lot of effort in your relationship to say we're not going to go to kissing yet, you know, uh, if you're married, you know, wide open. You go as far as you want. Um, but we're talking about uh, uh, as, a, as a dating couple, if you want to say, as we want to, okay, calm down, uh, that kissing is not where we want to go, and you're putting effort towards that, and then you start kissing, and that's part of your regular, guess what? You're not going back from there. You're not going back to a time where you're not kissing. That's kind of law of diminishing return, how it applies to some non-economic things. Here's the thing, though. We often incorrectly try to apply this to Christian growth as well. We apply this to our our spiritual growth. If we reach a point where I'm not struggling, uh, I'll never struggle again. Wrong. Not going to happen. If I start reading my Bible for one week, then I've reached it in this daily devotion thing. Nope. If I serve somebody this week, then, well, I've got a great story to tell for a long time. It's not exactly how it works. The writer of Proverbs, though, nails it. He writes this. Listen to it. If you stop learning, you'll forget what you already know. If you stop learning, you're going to forget what you already know. The Scripture is just simply telling us there's no such thing as a Christian plateau. If we're not growing, pretty good chances that we are declining. Do you remember Solomon in the Bible? Do you remember the story of Solomon? The Bible calls him the wisest man who ever lived. Now, that's a pretty good gift to receive from the Lord, the wisest man who ever lived. When you read about his early years on the throne, you really see example after example of how this divine wisdom helped him through things. Remember his prayer to the Lord? He prayed for wisdom. He didn't pray for gold or fame or for fortune. If you look at his kingdom, some of the stuff you study, you can even look at the government system or some of the verdicts that he decided on 
And these are, these are monumental things. People even look at it today, even in the secular world. Great wisdom. And that's why the Bible even says in 1 Kings 4.29, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. You ever describe your wisdom that way? <laughs> Not mine. That's Solomon, though. And yet, if you know Solomon's whole story, you know that in the end he wound up a colossal failure. Why? Why did this happen to the wisest man who ever lived? How could he go from being the wisest man to one of Bible, the Bible's most shocking failures? Apparently, Solomon forgot where his wisdom came from. At some point in time in his reign, Solomon stopped drawing from this original source of wisdom in favor of depending on his own. And Solomon's decline began as soon as he ceased this regular connection with God. So what happens when we forget the path to growing in our own spiritual journey? Well, we don't only cut off this source of growth like Solomon, but we forget what we've already learned. And Solomon, that is our clear example this morning. If we're not growing, we're declining. Now, you know, for many years I coached baseball teams, and every year we would have some freshman that would show up who was kind of more advanced than the other freshmen on the team. And by the time the season rolled around and games started being played, that freshman would find their way into the game and carry a much more important role than maybe we even thought they would, and certainly more than the other freshmen who were there and kind of learning and growing. It's amazed me, though, in my years of coaching, how many times that same freshman started to be passed by about two years later by some other freshman. Why does this happen? Well, often we could trace it right back to that freshman having reached, whether consciously or unconsciously, they had reached some point where they thought, I made it. And the same effort, energy, focus, observation, all of those things wasn't there. And so this role that we would see this freshman one day playing when they became a sophomore, junior, senior, and instead of thinking of a freshman coming in and developing having two years, we were seeing this freshman as having four incredibly productive years, never could be realized. And that happens in our Christian walk sometimes. And God is telling us the scripture that we need to keep growing. If the passion, if our heart's passion is being a church that that really reaches the unchurched, helps put them in a relationship with God, if our goal is really to see Wendover Hills be a blessing to those who are far from Christ, if our commitment is being able to look and see marriages restored and relationships healed, and to see people being discipled, then we have to know that that will only happen in an environment where we're committed to grow regularly. Next week, we're going to spend our entire teaching time focusing on just this one point of growth. And we're going to talk about God's Word and receiving from God's Word. And we're going to talk about growing as individuals so that we can set ourselves up on a course to really know God in a real and a, a much deeper way. All right, so growing propels us to be all in. It grow, if we're not growing, we're declining. And let's look at a third one. It's this. Growing gives us greater vision. I had this professor in school who I determined to be, um, you know, a difficult person. And not really because he was mean or tough in the classroom. Well, okay, he was probably both of those things as well. Um, But really, the reason is because he would speak in some of these terms that made me kind of sit back and think, 
what? I have no idea what he means. Um, And one such phrase that he would share over and over was this. Growth is giving everything you know of yourself to everything you know of God. This is one of his favorite phrases. Growth is giving everything you know of yourself to everything you know of God. And I thought either this and my limited mental capability is far too brilliant and superior for me to wrap myself around, um, or this was just something anybody off the street could come up with. Uh, And so I went finally during my last year to him, and I said, I want to talk to you about this, this statement that you make often. And he pulled out a piece of paper, and this is what he explained. He took this, and he drew a circle. And he simply said... This is God, and this is you. And this phrase you have to look at as a cycle, that the more you know about God, the more you really know about yourself. And the more you know about yourself, the more you have to give and to honor God with. And if you can see this thing, just start rolling and picking up pace and going. And after receiving this from him and listening, this has been that that thing I've just locked into my life. You see, we have to think of our Christian journey as this ongoing relationship and experience. It's not that you said a prayer one day and then you can claim that you're all there. That's not how this thing works. Now, you have salvation. You're going eternally to be with God. But God said, there's so much more that I have to offer, this connection with me, and it's ongoing. See, as I learn more about God... I learn more about how my life can be affected for the better. I learn more about how intensely he loves me. I learn that when I read something like, I come that you might have life and more life than you've ever dreamed of, that it becomes less of this feel-good statement and more of this promise that I get to claim and I get to find the joy in. But on the other side, when I learn more about myself, I learn what I have to offer to this relationship with him. I learned that I'm uniquely designed and gifted by him. I've learned that I have a purpose. I learned what I'm capable of in him. And when I read things like, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, you know, I learned that I get to play a part in this. And so as I learn more about myself, I give it to God. As I learn more about God, I learn more about what I have to give to him. And the cycle just keeps going and going. And the cycle is growth. And so as this cycle continues, I draw into this deeper and deeper connection with God. Not because it's this rule or a regulation or it's part of the bylaws, but because that's what I'm drawn into as I spend more time with him. And that's what I crave and that's what I want. You know, the Bible describes it this way, that long before I could love him, he loved me. He started the whole process. He made that first step. And so when I love him back, it's not because I think this is the right thing to do. It's because I'm drawn to what he is already doing in my life. That's a great cycle. That's a cycle I can, I can get on and a journey I can get on board with. Now think about what a church's impact can be. When a church is on this cycle all together, all locked in to wanting to constantly learn about ourselves as a church, wanting to constantly as a church to learn about God and to learn what he has to offer. And you can see the growth and the impact that we can have. And we will just keep increasing that vision as God reveals to us more and more of who he is. And it's like the, the writer in Psalm 119.18 says, Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instruction. 
That's what happens when we keep giving ourselves over. You know, the next five weeks, we're going to be talking about that type of vision. We're going to be focusing on those key things that God has revealed to us now, but not just what he's revealed to us and where we want to go, but the place we want to put ourselves in so that God can reveal even more to us. But let's not think for a moment that God will bless anything just simply because we're wanting to dedicate five weeks to teaching on it. God wants us to go before him and receive of him and grow in him to be all in. And like the book of Exodus says, he will give us something that's exceedingly fruitful. Well, let's look at one final one. I told you the first three were focused more as individuals than as the church. And this final point is focused a little bit more on the church. Number four is growing allows for new testimonies. Growing allows for new testimonies. It allows to see new people that have come to know the Lord and have a new story to share about what God has to offer. Now, this final reason, it's one that uh, people often sometimes have some odd feelings about or maybe even some misguided thoughts. And we want to talk about that in just a minute. It's the issue of numerical growth in the church. Now, before you get too excited or, or want to throw any tomatoes uh, for somebody that talks about numerical, let's just dive into it and talk about it for a minute. In 2000, I had just moved to Phoenix, and I was an assistant pastor at a church, and uh, we went to these things called uh, the annual conference. You know, this is where, like, the, the pastor and the delegates, they go together once a year, and they, you know, they do their business reports and statistical reports and things like that. You know, those kind of meetings that run a while, and we can imagine the wild times that they have at those, those meetings. So I'm there one year, the first year I'd ever been to one, and a pastor stood up, and he began his report. This is what he said. He said, God bless this year. We had a lot of new families come to the church, and lots of people were saved. That was my first time there, and I thought, well, that's, that's pretty awesome. Sounds like the Lord's really doing something. And they would give you this sheet that would have kind of all the stats of the year for individual churches, you know, what had gone on. And one of the stat columns was always attendance or weekly attendance. And that's kind of like, that sheet is kind of like looking at your watch during a business meeting. You know, you have to kind of, you know, you don't want to offend anybody by looking at your watch. Um, that's kind of how the stat sheet were. You, you know, you're not, I don't know, especially you feel like you're not supposed to look at those. But I did and uh, saw, and they were running about 65 people in the church. And I just thought, man, that sounds like a place where God's really at work. So the next year came around. I went to the conference again, and um, when it was this pastor's time to stand up and give the report, he did. God bless this year. We had a lot of new families come to the church, and lots of people were saved. And I was thinking, well, that sounds a little familiar to uh, the year before, but I uh, was still kind of thinking, no, that sounds like a, God, a place God's really blessing. Um, I did not fight the urge again. I looked down at the stat page, and I noticed that uh, the church was running about 50 people a week. And I was a little confused, and I thought, well, I wonder where all those, those new families have gone. Flash forward four years, and four of the exact same reports later. God blessed this year. We had a lot of new families to the church, and a lot of people were saved. But this year was the final year of the church's existence as they closed with 15 people in weekly attendance. What happened? I really, I thought the Lord was blessing and people were coming and people were getting saved and families were joining and, and people had testimonies to share and, and now the church was empty and the for sale sign was up. Now I learned something then. Pastors, we're not always the best at evaluating what's going on in the church. 
we're not always best at evaluating and noticing some signs of decline, even when they might be so clear to those outside or those around. Can I tell you something this morning? Numbers matter. They do. Numbers matter, but not for the reason you've often thought. Numbers really matter, but not for any type of vain or pride-filled thing, not for any way that we puff ourselves out and say, well, we've hit 100 now, we've hit 200, 1,000. You know, all that is irrelevant. If you try to be a bigger church, just go around the corner, and right away you're in second place. There's no value in that whatsoever. But numbers matter because people matter to God. And when we look and we say that more people are being reached and more people are finding the Lord and more people are able to experience new testimonies about how God's grace invaded their life, drew them to himself, and they experienced something radically different than they could ever find on their own, that matters to God. And so we will keep counting and looking, but not for the sake of being able to say we're bigger, but for the sake of really honoring the promise that's in this scripture, 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 4. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all the people to be saved and come to the knowledge of his uh, truth. See, God wants to see his creation experience this redemption and new life. He loves his creation so deeply that he'll go to the nth degree so that people can experience who he is. All the way to the point that he was willing to go to the cross but not simply go to the cross as a one-time event, though that covers our sin forever. But daily now, he says, I'll come to you, I'll come to you. Tomorrow, I'll come to you, I'll come to you. And we want people to experience that. Let me put it this way, friends. We are partnered with God in the business of saving lives. That's our partnership. Now, God has a greater role in it, but we have a role, and we're partnered with God in this business of introducing them to a God who can pull them out of despair. It's a God who can bring this fulfillment and joy to their lives when nothing else could. It's a God that the Bible says will never leave or forsake them. That's our job. That's what we get to play a part in, in introducing people. And when lives are reached and people know Christ, they have this new testimony. And those new testimonies is what we're going to be passionate about, seeing people grow, seeing people surrender their lives to Christ. And God has one great marketing plan for it. It's not signs. It's not commercials. Every once in a while a movie comes out, but you know, that's not his route. It's us. It's us living it. It's us growing in him. And it's us extending it to other people. Growing allows for new testimonies. That's why every week we want to see people come into our, our doors that are seeking. They're seeking. They're hoping to find something different than the journey they've been on. They're hoping to find something that's, that's missing. Now, some of these folks have been away from church for years. Some of them have never been a part of church. And some of them have been sitting in church walls for years and never really heard about the life-changing power that Christ has to offer. Each week, we want to minister and care for them. Each week, we want them here. And when, finally, this God thing kind of clicks for them, we're going to be there to pray for them, We're going to be there to celebrate new life and we're going to celebrate these new testimonies. Listen to what a couple of the passages say about numbers. Matthew 9, 23. Go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. 
Matthew 14, 21, the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Acts 2, 41, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Acts 2, 47, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I can promise you that we're never going to seek numbers for the sake of pride. We're never going to seek it just so that we can be a bigger church because like I said, there's always one bigger. No value in that. But we will continue to seek new testimonies. We'll continue to share the full gospel. The full gospel, not just from the pulpit, but in everything we do and how we live our lives. We'll continue to do that. We'll continue to encourage people and offer them a relationship with God to change their lives. We'll keep inviting, inviting, inviting people to be a part of this family. And when, we, when I stand to give a report at these meetings, it's not going to be about how bigger or smaller we are than anyone else. It's going to be about those who came to know the Lord. It's going to be about these marriages that were saved, relationships that were reconciled. It's going to be about somebody who was dug out of the depths because of what Christ had to offer. It's going to be about people who found community. It's going to be about real growth, spiritual growth as individuals and as a church. And so when we're able to stand and we pray before God and we seek this growth, we're asking for God to propel us to be all in. And we're asking for God to keep us from declining. And we're asking for God to increase his vision within us. And we're asking God to bring us new testimonies. And God's answer to that prayer says, grow. Keep growing. Stay committed to growing in your walk with Christ. Stay committed to growing as a church. And we all have a part to play. And like I said, over the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at five specific components in that area. We're going to be looking at those five components that, that really help us and call us to be all in as a body of believers. <clears throat> but this week I thought, you know, there might be some of you that you're ready to do some business right now. Maybe you've been coming around for the last few weeks and you, you certainly have heard, whether through music or our community or through the spoken word, you've heard what God has to offer your life. And this morning you're hearing as a body of believers that we're committed to this as well. Maybe this morning it's time for you to do a little bit of business with him, coming before him and saying, you know, I am ready to surrender my life to you. I've been pushed, I've been challenged by God, and I've pushed back. This morning I'm not pushing back. I'm receiving of, of who God is and what he has to offer. So for the next few minutes, uh, Leslie's going to sing a song for us. And as she does, I want each of you to just do your own business with God, going before him, maybe bowing and just being quiet for a moment and let God speak to you. Now, if you don't know the Lord this morning, it's as simple as you just saying, Lord, come into my life and be the Lord of my life. But maybe you're a Christian this morning who's just been battling something or just refusing to follow God's lead. This is the opportunity for you to grow this morning and say yes to him. Would you go before him?